Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Well, first, I want to tell people that tonight there's a disappearing patron party for all party level patrons. So if you are a patron of the truth, a patron saint, a friend of the show, go to patreon.com slash report and you should be able to open the post that has the link. And if you want to participate in the chat, which is where all the fun is, be sure to log into your YouTube account. That's tonight at five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern. So uh, we hope to see you there. It's our first Friday disappearing patron party. And uh, for our top story, take it away. This is a really interesting story in regards to the propaganda that we're seeing right now. We've all seen the onslaught of images of war, the war in Ukraine that the media is just relentlessly shoving in our faces around the clock. The images they use to tell the story of the evil Russian invaders who are raping and killing their way through Ukraine. Some of the close-up photos of the impact of the war, while others are the bird's eye view. They have the micro and then the macro. The micro maybe showing the bloody baby, the macro maybe showing the methodically moving invading forces. But with many of these images, they've been proven to be false, either out of context, staged, or just a different year. It was taken years ago. We hear a lot of talk in the media now from the fact checkers about how to do image verification. And their method of image verification is basically, with all the rampant disinfo, you just need to trust your authoritative sources, which are the mainstream sources. That's how they say to do it. I'm not cool with that technique, so I think another way to approach it is a way that this article kind of covers, and that is to ask, where do these images come from? Just like you would any regular informational source, where do the images come from? And the images come from a company called Maxar Technologies. Now, some of the the stuff that Maxar Technologies does, they are a satellite imaging company, and they have shown images of the Russian forces moving closer to the border of Ukraine to show that an invasion was imminent. And at one point, they showed what just appeared to be tire tracks in the snow, but that was evidence that the Russian forces were about to invade. Another one, they just showed a carpeted floor, which was used to convey that Russia had just attacked or shelled some area of Ukraine. And they also they also are used by most major media companies. So here's some of the companies that have that use Maxar Technology satellite imagery. New York Times, Washington Post, Axios, NPR, Guardian, USA Today, NBC, NPR, CNN, a long list of mainstream sources. In fact, one expert said they are the only game in town. And the president of Maxar said that If you see high-resolution satellite imagery published in connection with an important story, the image was more than likely taken by a Maxar satellite, and I believe 90% of the images we see are taken by this company. This company also happens to be a Department of Defense contractor. Hmm. And they are actually the DOD's top geospatial intel contractor. They do more than just take photos. They actually provide intel that intel community points to as the reason for taking actions at an international level. And they dominate the market of the mainstream media. So all the images that we're seeing of the satellite photos in Ukraine are from this company. Here's a list of some of the stuff that they have shown us during this war and some others that you will recognize. They have shown the bombing of Mariupol, 
the destruction of that theater where the media claimed civilians were sheltering. They showed the images of the chaos at the Kabul airport during the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which more than 700 publications used. They showed the chemical attacks by the Assad government that we often hear about. And apparently what some news outlets will do is they will just take the entire gallery of this company and they'll publish it without question. And every media outlet will do that because this is offered for free. Wow. They give these images out. That's unbelievable. For free of charge. And that makes sense because I think sometimes like some every once in a while you'll get a Washington Post article or not usually Washington Post, but some news outlets will give you an article free. And I'm like, wow, this is the propaganda they really want to drive home. Absolutely. So they're giving all of these networks who want to have the story to report. They want to get that image to really emphasize the narrative they're trying to push. And they have a whole free database of the top Intel imagery company that's working with the government. But it wasn't. they don't just work for the government. They're, they're not just a contractor. They were developed in coordination with the United States government, I think in the early 90s, I believe it was. And it was built and developed out of the needs of the government. So every step of the way, they catered it to what the U.S. government needed when it comes to satellite imagery and intel sources. And they also, the photos that they take, the imagery. So we hear about war journalism and, and photojournalism and war. And you might think, well, maybe a journalist got that or maybe a independent drone got that and maybe just happened upon an incident. No, they don't happen upon incidents. They go when they go where the government wants them to go, when the government wants them to go there, and they take photos of what the government tells them to take photos of. And then they blast those to every major media outlet that puts it in our face and spreads it around the globe after that. This is controlled, top-down propaganda imagery that doesn't even really show us anything. It just shows us a little bit of stuff that is just, that the narrative is then filled in the gaps from the media, who they also get their messaging from the top-down. And it's interesting, too, because quite often some of the outlets – and the article says this here, they will unwittingly funnel images to the public that are ordered by the U.S. government without those outlets or the public knowing it for certain. So this adds to that impression that you have more than one source of news. And that's something that's been driving me crazy about the helicopters when they stop, when local stations stop having their own helicopters. And actually, I think it was the government that said, well, well only one helicopter over any crash scene or whatever. And then you only get that one filtered story. Everybody gets the same video. So, yeah, this is definitely a part of that kind of unifying of the narrative. It's just extraordinary to see some of the detail of how this company basically infects every outlet of communication, channel of communication, to present this narrative of the war. And it even talks about how they are openly biased. They are openly standing with Ukraine without question. They aren't presenting neutral information. It's just, it's all controlled. That really dovetails with what we did last night in the Rockfin video, that Dan Johnson, is that who Oh, yeah, he yeah, very generic name, yeah. Yeah, but he's an author of, uh, what was his name called? He he wrote a book that I think was pretty popular, but he was talking about how he was responsible for pushing out news stories from the ground in Iraq that was then given out free by the Department of Defense and that other journalism outlets would take the stories and the pictures off of that of those websites. Right. Yeah. And he talked about how the DOD controlled the type of language that they would use when they were talking about it. Like they couldn't say they were killing the enemy. They had to use other language to make it seem a little softer. 
Yeah. So talk about soft, not using soft language. That is not a if you want to get soft language from the government, you're not going to get it from the press secretary, but you won't get any language from her uh, from that press podium for much longer because Jen Psaki is stepping down as press secretary for Biden, which those press secretaries do not last long. Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. So I don't know what the story is with those. I think they burn through their credibility or something. Although she never, I don't, she was like always someone that people were cautious of for getting information. But I feel strongly that the reason she was put in place at this time is and and in anticipation of Ukraine conflict because she was in the communications and press role under uh, Obama when the Victoria Nuland, who was her predecessor in one of those roles, ushered in the coup in the first place. So she knew where the bodies were buried. She was familiar with the narratives. She was good at deflecting stuff. I want to give you a little bit about about her background and where she's going, but it looks like you had something to say. Oh, yeah. These press secretaries, they do. They go and they cause all this controversy. And then when they leave, you're almost like a little sad because you really liked to dislike Trump. Yeah. It was like more fun. So you had, what was the guy's name? The stubby guy who- Sean Spicer. Yes. You had Sean Spicer and he left. It's like, oh man, that guy was such a clown. I liked how clown she was. Then you had, they brought in Kaylee who she also, so you think it's going to be a little sad because the character's not there, but then they always put in another character. Yeah. The casting is good. Yeah. While the other one goes off to MSNBC, Fox News, wherever. Yeah. Huckabee's daughter. Oh yes. Right. Of course. pies. Anyway, so Saki is going to MSNBC. Axios reported that she will have a show for NBC's streaming platform, Peacock, and she will also appear on some of MSNBC's shows. So another thing is that she hasn't, she's been out all week because she tested positive for COVID. I mean, when you're interviewing, you're out all week, you know, that's (laughs) just how it works. That just does not sound true. So she was, here's a few of her past roles. She was the White House Deputy Press Secretary in 2009, so the first year of Obama's reign. She was promoted to White House Deputy Communications Director from then until September 2011. Then she was the spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State from 2013 to 2015. That's where Newland was her predecessor, the spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State, 2013 to 2015. So that was when the Ukraine stuff was happening. So Newland, I guess she is very well spoken. I mean, that could be her her superpower, Newland, and being married to Robert Kagan of the Brookings Institution. Uh, so that was her role then. So she was the spokesperson for the Department of State when the Ukraine stuff was happening. That's why she was there all the time. She was the face of it at that time. I remember she was the one people were laughing at. She was the one who was being a bitch. That was the thing. She was just so good at deflecting real questions. And in 2015, I guess as a reward for doing such a good job there, she was promoted to White House communications director. But I looked at her background and she went to William and Mary College. She was in a sorority there and she was a backstroke swimmer for Jin Saki. Yes. Wow, that's that's Yeah, she was just she she had a she had a sport. She was but her team was called the Tribe. And I and the and the motto is an eagle, so I I wondered what if it could mean anything other than an Indian tribe, but it definitely is an Indian reference because there was a 1931 fight song for William and Mary called "Fight, Fight, Fight for the Indians." So she should be uh, canceled for 
swimming for the Wow. Time. So I wonder if anybody in the press corps, that guy she always fights with from Fox News, has ever asked her about that because that issue has come I've up. Never or that. if he has asked her as a swimmer in college, how would you feel if Leah Thomas was on your team yes. and took your spot? There you go. She would totally celebrate that. Probably. But she's going to have a hard time explaining why William and Mary is still called the tribe. Yeah, that's that's great information. I'm surprised yeah. that that hasn't been brought up to her. So the aftermath of the slap heard around the world is still still in the fallout of that. We have the a guy who organized the Oscars saying, "Yeah, we we were going to arrest him. The police were ready to arrest him. It was just up to Chris Rock. Chris Rock. It's not really up to Chris Rock. It's up to the police to arrest somebody. And to say that it's up to Chris Rock is Chris Rock would not. If you say to Chris Rock, "Hey," It's up to you if you want to put him in, in jail. Then, of course, he's going to say no because that puts him, makes a target on his back if he were to do that. But anyway, there are some comedy club owners now who are talking about how they fear copycat slappers. Oh, because they want to regulate it. I saw that. Yes. And the, this guy's the owner of the stand-up, stand-up club in Manhattan. His name is Danny Zoldan. He said that he's never seen anything like this in his 13 years running a club, but he does fear that this is going to inspire others to storm on stage it and might. attack. It could very well. You're right. Yeah, that could be one of the reasons for it. Although right. I think the Pfizer alopecia thing is definitely the number one reason. It could be, definitely. But I think that where this could go to next is what is an acceptable joke and what is not an acceptable joke. So, oh yeah, they're trying to destroy comedy mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Colbert, We've been talking acceptable. about that before. You can't cuz you know how they say it's okay to punch Nazis. It's okay to punch a comedian if a comedian's a Nazi and if you Wait, can link Time out. It's not allowed to it's not okay to punch Nazis cuz Ukraine. I know, but that's what they say. That's what the the left says when it comes to Trump. You used to there was tweets from blue check marks saying if I see a Nazi, I'll punch him in the face. That whole narrative that if somebody's evil enough, it's okay to do something bad to them. I think we're going to see this emerge in the comedy world, and we have seen it emerge. But now, with physical violence, where you know what it happens here, and it's okay because that's a bad person. If it happens to somebody like Stephen Colbert, then you're evil. You're like a Will Smith. But he said to deter any potential copycats, he's erected a sign in the window saying the club has a zero tolerance policy on physical abuse against comics, insisting that comedians must be protected. So comedians as a protected class, as an <laughs> oppressed protective class, maybe that's, maybe that's yeah. coming. And the more they talk about it, the more this will inspire those actors to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the Nazis in Ukraine, I've tried to explain what I think happened, why they established the Azov Battalion in May 2014. And from what I understand this, I mean, this is what I came up with, which is it was reported that Ukrainian regular Ukrainian soldiers, when they were sent to the east to suppress the the rebellion of the Russian speakers who were being suppressed and oppressed by the coup-installed government there, that they just could not get regular Ukrainian soldiers to to put that down. And they had to establish this kind of fringy thing, which were the far right and the neo-Nazis with the insignia and everything. And they have a long history of that in Ukraine, sadly. So I just saw a headline that Zelensky has demoted two generals, calling them traitors and saying they will be dealt with and punished. Now, listen to what he said. He said, according to Article 48 of the Disciplinary Statute of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, those servicemen among senior officers who have not decided 
I think it should be were among senior officers who have not decided where their homeland is. So it was two generals, but I don't know if there were other senior officers as well. They have not decided where their homeland is, who they violate the military oath of allegiance to the Ukrainian people in regard to the protection of our state, its freedom and independence, and they will inevitably be deprived of senior military ranks. Random generals don't belong here. So he is accusing them of disloyalty, of not knowing who or where their homeland is. They haven't given the details on this, so we can't say. But that sounds like it fits the pattern of what was happening eight years ago, that the Ukrainians themselves are not on board with this coup-installed government. And we have heard people say that Zelensky was not legitimately elected and that he's extremely corrupt. There's a lot of actually um, backup for that. And, and I think they were called the, I want to say is the Panama Papers, but they're called something else. It's like another, like the Pegasus Papers. There was a whole nother slew of papers. I don't know if you remember that. So, uh, yeah, you said Zelensky was in one of those papers. Yes, I think it was called, what I just say, the Pegasus Papers? Pegasus I think or that Panama. Was, it's one of those two, it, I think. Well, there, Panama definitely exists, but it wasn't that. There's okay. another one with a different name that also starts with a P. I think it's Pegasus. And I've seen reporting of it, and it might be in that Vagano, like that nine-page treatment on Ukraine, Russia, Zelensky, everything, that Archbishop Vagano, who is super-based, wrote, uh, and it gets into Zelensky's corruption. It's unbelievable. He he calls them out. He says the ex-chief of the main department of internal security of the security service of Ukraine and the former head of the office of the security service of Ukraine in the Kherson region are no longer generals. Now, to me, this it reminds me of what my glossary term of the month last month was. It's in the newsletter at thepropreport.com. It's the Alice Walker paradox. She was a black woman, liberal, wrote the color purple. She was the toast of the town. She was fa- fabulous. And then she started liking David Icke and I think defending Palestinians over Israelis. I can't remember. I don't know. I only read like secondhand accounts of this because what I was really looking for is how she is rejected. It's like the Dennis Miller paradox. It's like, what happened to Dennis? What happened to Alice? Well, they were always a little bit off, or I don't know. It's this idea that someone who fit the bill previously now has an opinion that you consider to be unthinkable. You have to write that person off as bad or crazy And you can't actually think about why they have this opinion that differs from yours, but that should be the central piece of the argument. So we should be hearing what their opinion is. He just said, these people went off the deep end and they're bad. That should throw up a flag to you. It really should. I don't understand how it does. I guess I kind of do understand how it does it when you create that environment of tribal warfare and uh, taking one side or the other. It works constantly. I mean, Putin's a megalomaniac. Putin lost his mind during COVID. The Iranian guy, Ahmadinejad, he uh, he was just a, a lunatic who would blow up the whole world before doing something rational. Right. I think he was controlled opposition. I think the Iran thing is just 
like a whole nother can of worms, but that's what we do. We just demonize the opponent. We demonize other heads of state. We never refute what they have to say, never take their point of view. We've been trained to do it. And it's like you said, if the response to a question is, well, because he's a megalomaniac who just blows people up when he gets pushed into a corner, that's not an argument. That's not an answer to, you know, why is Putin doing this? Right. Or, you know, not or, everybody who's crazy is stupid or doesn't serve their own interests. Yeah, exactly. Just because you're hearing voices doesn't mean they're not telling the truth. That's true. Sometimes the voices in your head are telling the truth. And kind of similar to what you're talking about here, there's a story out of CNN today, which is talking about Western intelligence agencies, how they're waging a psychological war over Ukraine directly with Putin in an effort to undermine Putin's narrative at home and abroad. And what they're saying is they're saying that the West is weaponizing this intel through transparency. And they say that the West is now being open about information that was previously classified about the Ukraine-Russian war, specifically information that is gathered by their intel officers in Ukraine and in Moscow. And one guy is quoted here saying that it makes intelligence professionals even uh, former ones nervous because this is a former intelligence professional saying this because, of course, it is so ingrained in the intel community to protect sources and methods. But now they're saying that they're revealing those sources and methods. And what they're speaking to here is when they told us that Russia was preparing a false flag and they were going to do a fake video. So the pre-bunking that Biden did without evidence, they're saying is actually Biden being transparent about what is cl- what was classified information. But now we're going to be open about what our intel sources have found. And we saw this again the other day as more declassified assessments that were just previously classified. They went into the headlines because Biden, I, I saw this press conference too, and this stuck out to me. Biden was asked about some, uh, some of the stuff that's been going around about Putin being backed into a corner and firing some of his generals or whatever. And Biden said, <laughs> Oh, I have something to say about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, about how it sounds just like what they used to say about Trump. Hitler. Is one thing. Yeah. And about Hitler. Who? About Trump. No, Hitler. Yeah. He said that Hitler lost because his generals wouldn't t- tell him the truth because he was a hothead and he had this idea and he's rational. And so that reporting didn't make me think that about Putin. It made me rethink that about Hitler. And they also say the thing about him being further and further isolated in a corner. Nobody. They used to say that about Trump, too. He's wandering around the White House. All his advisors are gone and turned on him. It's the same narrative applied to a different person. But Biden said there's a lot of speculation, a lot of speculation. And he was asked how bad, badly Putin was being misinformed by his advisors. He said, I'm not saying this with a certainty. He seems to be self-isolating. And there's some <laughs> indication that he, has fi- that he has fired or put under house arrest some of his advisors. And then Biden went on to say, but we don't have any concrete evidence on this. So this is, I don't want to go too deep into this because we don't have any concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself watching that going, the, why are you saying it at all if you yeah, have Why no- do you believe it? Like, yeah. like, that's the thing about Guantanamo. They don't put those people on trial and they're like, we don't, you know, we know it's true, but we don't have evidence, which makes me think not only that they are wrong, but that they're, it's not about that at all. Because if they really knew it was true, they could probably have evidence. Right. And he really knew it was true. He'd have evidence. And the way that they're getting around, because we've been talking about how they're providing no evidence whatsoever. The way that they're justifying providing no evidence is they're saying, look, this was formerly classified information and we're being transparent (laughs) about it. We would have never even told you about this. 
with that Associated that, Press that guy. That question, yes, that story that you brought, that's exactly what, he said, the evidence, you want me to print the... See, the I knew the, that was going somewhere. Absolutely. It and was it, setting a precedent, and 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 that yep. guy, I can't believe he didn't end up being right, because that's what I thought was going to happen. He was going to be right, and it was going to prove out that you don't need evidence. Absolutely. And they wrap this article up talking about the goal of this type of, quote, transparency. And they call it pre-invasion messaging, which is also pre-bunking, but pre-invasion messaging that the U.S. wanted to not allow Putin to have a dominant narrative and for the U.S. and the West to take the dominant narrative of the information war and and create a picture that Russia's failing to give hope to the Ukrainians and try and win over some of the Russian population just it's narrative warfare makes me want to revisit some of that narrative warfare stuff we talked about maybe last year or so because it's really coming out into the it's really being transparent about narrative warfare (laughs) right now yes it's always pretty transparent to us i must say so before we get to our deepest dive of the day where we will try to get to the bottom of disney world is it snow crash in real life I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. There's a new psychedelic drug on the streets, and it's digital. Boy, that sounds like Minority Report Mm -hmm. and other dystopian sci-fi. Speaking of dystopian sci-fi. And Elizabeth Warren thinks of something Biden put out in an executive order a month ago. But before we get to all of that, I'm going to give you one last chance at the True Hemp Science Gummy Product Deal. It's an organic vegan gummy, contains a 100% hemp-derived full-spectrum hemp oil and 1.5 milligrams of THC, which is less than the 0.3% that federal guidelines require. So you can buy it anywhere. They come in two sizes, 12 count. And 60 count and the, oh, the 60 count comes in a jar, which is nice. These gummies are great for rest, golfing, relaxation, before sleep, or to help one cope with the nightly news. And of course, only use the nightly news if absolutely necessary. So the gummies are fine. Use at will, use as directed, but the nightly news only if you absolutely have to. Have us watch it for you. Actually, I can't even watch it. Use the promo code PROPREPORT and order $99 worth of True Hemp Science products to receive a free 222 milligram bottle of the new number 33 CBD oil. And it goes a long, long way. Let me tell you. And as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, if you get one of those small bottles and you use it every single night, I think it'll last you two weeks. And that's when you really start getting it, that it doesn't, it's not mind altering in my experience, but it is mood elevating in a very subtle kind of well-rested feel good tomorrow way that is my personal experience and i'd be interested to know about yours so also when you order type propaganda report into the comments section just so he knows and uh if you want to support the show please support our sponsors truehempscience.com in particular but also go to thepropreport.com. You can buy a t-shirt in the store where it says shop. You could subscribe to uh, any of our premium channels. You can click through there where it says subscribe, patreon.com slash propaganda report, which is what you're going to want to do today. Take one of the premium tiers and you will be invited to the DPP tonight, the disappearing patron party. But uh, you could go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and see the deep dive we did yesterday. And you can go to propreport.locals.com and interact with the community every all day long. So we've got lots of options for you there. And now on to the last big story of the free 30, which happens to be the deepest dive of the day. 
where we are going to get to the bottom of this story about Disney. So have you seen, you're aware of the Don't Say Gay bill, which doesn't say, don't say gay. <laughs> which doesn't say gay, yes. Yeah, you weren't here, but Cam went over because he's in Florida. So he always brings the Florida oh, did he? stories. Yeah. Very cute. Yeah, and uh, he identified that immediately. But now there's a very kind of ESG, it reminded me of an ESG thing about Disney. Uh-huh. So you're familiar with this? Like, I heard new some wrinkle? audio of, I think, one of the women who was in charge of some of this, responsible for some of these initiatives. What do you mean? What do you say? Are you talking about the story where they're going to try and put more trans types of characters into? No, no, that is it. That is like a, something I, I have, but that's not. Oh, that's the... not this story. Okay. <laughs> no. So, but he mentions that and I thought it was interesting. So. I love the book Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Somebody recommended it to me because I said I was an anarchist. And it's like this dystopian world where there is no government, but the different... Have you read it? No, that's just what they related to the metaverse when it first started talking about that. Snow Crash, not Diamond Age? Snow yeah, Crash. Snow Crash. Yeah, because Diamond Age is the one Alison McDowell turned us on to, which is definitely what we're headed into right now. So Snow Crash was... I really enjoyed it, but people laughed at me because I didn't like wasn't horrified by the dystopian nature of it, but it was a horrible dystopia, but I just was so excited at no government that I just... I, I gave it a pass on that. But it would have different communities, like gated communities, but they were corporate communities. And when I saw this stuff about Disneyland, I realized that that it's Disneyland. So I didn't know this, but Disneyland is not subject to the laws of the counties that it's located in. It has a complete exemption from all laws, zoning laws, everything. Really? Yeah. The only thing I think they have to capitulate to are certain taxes and, but I'm sure not all, and elevator regulations. So everything else, they don't have to do. It's like, um, I have it here somewhere. It, it gave, gives total autonomy within its borders for... Um, land use regulation and planning, building codes, surface water control, drainage, waste treatment, utilities, roads, bridges, fire protection, emergency medical services, and environmental services. So that's pretty much everything. And it's very expensive to go to Disney World. I was there once. It's very expensive. And as soon as I walked in, I said, this is a government. This place has its own government. It was it's the like, first yeah. reaction. What are they, the Vatican? Well, the Vatican is a country. The Vatican is a country, so that they aren't subject to the laws because they own that land and it's it is not a part of Italy or Rome. So they've got so. But when you go to Disney World, it was evident to me that they had a complete like they were in control of everything that you think of as governmental, but it's very expensive to get in there. So that's why I feel like. It's very snow crashy because if you're a man without a gated community, you are living in like the no man's land. So they, the Florida legislature is trying to, or is threatening, some GOPers there are threatening to re revoke that status, which has been in the, I think it's over 50 years they've had that status. And they're like, they don't need it anymore. Why should they be exempt from our rules? They're well-established, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the reason that that is under fire is that this don't say gay bill, which I don't know if you, you know about it. From what I understand and what Cam says is really it was taken by the left and it's kind of like the voting stuff, which actually Florida did have a voting law revoked today too but or that i read about today but it's where 
they 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 say this is just the most outrageous racist thing in the world like this is the most outrageous homophobic thing in the world but everything i've read even on cnn it points out that it's only targeted to kids between kindergarten and third grade so mm-hmm. and it's not don't say gay it says this is a journal summary it says that they may schools may not discourage or prohibit parental notification of an involvement in critical decisions affecting a student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being. Parents can't be blocked from education and health records created, maintained, or used by the school. So you can't put a kid on a transgender track without telling the parents between Mm. kindergarten and third grade. (laughs) So that seems all right. Yeah, that's such an evil wall. Uh, Classroom instruction by school personnel or or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in grades K to three in a manner that is not age appropriate. Parents who think the law isn't being followed could ask for the appointment of a magistrate to review the dispute or they could sue to get a declaratory judgment and attorney's fees. So that's what it seems like, basically. And the opposition, from what I've noticed, has been pretty generic, kind of. It's bad for kids who are in a LGBTQ home or community or who are themselves LGBTQ. Now, I, I do, I have... I have seen kids who are born that way. So I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but I'm also an opponent from a, a parent of straight kids that I did not like it when in third grade my kids were taught about abortion from the school. I didn't like it when one of my kids went to summer camp and came back asking questions about sex. I know a nine-year-old who was totally traumatized by uh, seeing a video you know, that had sex in it. Like It's just that I don't think they have the mental capacity to really understand it. And if you start going down that road of sexual behavior rather than just like, you know, what what equipment do you have? It's just, uh, they're not capable of of understanding it. So I'm not a fan of of any kind of sexual instruction at school at all, but particularly in that age group. I heard somebody talking about this who claimed to be an expert on it, and her expertise that she presented, she said something like, I have three kids, two of them are transgender, one of them is a gender fluid or non-binary or something, one of those other things. And all of her kids, from the way she talked about it, seemed like they were in middle and elementary school. And I'm thinking, if all of your kids fall into one of these categories, I don't know if you're an expert on on what's right or wrong. You might be an expert on creating kids that fall yes, into this category. Yes, I think that they, they absolutely, it's, I've seen people do that too. They, they convince the kid that they're yeah. gender dysphoric or whatever. So what happened was the current Disney CEO, if the story's true, now who knows if this is a big giant staged event or what, but he he kept saying, like, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to get involved. And but but what to your point earlier, what he did say, which was a real tell, in my opinion, was he said, We don't want to get we don't want to declare a stance. Our inclusion efforts are best focused on representation in Disney programming, which is what you're talking about. But he went on to say, we are we were opposed to the bill from the outset, but we chose not to take a position on it because we felt we could be more effective behind the scenes. So people need to understand that that's what they're doing. So when I say they're putting messages in there that are a plot to 
change your opinion, to promote policies, to push an agenda. I'm not talking about sex stuff or race stuff or anything, whatever. That's intentional. It's obvious. He's admitting it. So take that social engineering from the entertainment. Very clear. That's always been the case. So eventually he said that uh, he would, they are now lobbying to against the legislation. Now he said he's actively lobbying against that. Uh, Bob Iger, who was the previous CEO, tweeted, if passed, this bill will put vulnerable young LGBTQ people in jeopardy. I mean, it's all empty platitudes from that point of view. Uh, but I feel like what they're doing and, and then to like fold in that they don't have to p- obey the laws. So they're now trying to actively control the laws and they themselves are not willing to submit to the laws. But the reason the real question for me here on this issue is there they are trying to shape the world from a corporate point of view. They're saying they're responding to the outcry of non, uh, you know, being complicit of non objecting. Right. So they're saying we're responding to the outcry of some some obviously method activists, as Byron would say, who are making a stink. And he's saying we're just responding to them. He's not responding to the tens of millions of people who go to Disney World. That is not who he is responding to. He's responding to a handful of people who he probably wanted to hear from so that it would give him an excuse to do what he really wanted to do. But is is this an example of when the ESG guys say, when the World Economic Forum says, what? That's what I was thinking. You're saying that I'm thinking ESG and they're, yeah. Right. But my question is, are they, is is this an example of what the World Economic Forum says, which is the ESG, you have to comply with ESG standards or your business will be hurt. Now, why? They say because there'll be outcry. Mm-hmm. But this outcry seems to have been generated to promote the activism of the company. And a lot of people don't like it. Like the Don't Say Gay Bill, people did not like it. Florida doesn't like it. Is this a is this a a sign that these guys don't really have the control? Because DeSantis is now, this is an opportunity for DeSantis to get on his GOP podium because they are clearly grooming him to be the the candidate for president. Is this a chance for him to say, we push back on this stuff? Uh, or is it a genuine step in the process where that ESG pressure and the need for companies to follow it is actually being spoken into reality. Do you understand like the question I'm trying to ask? Yeah, I, is this dialectic so. real or is it a created dialectic that serves both the ESG debate because people are like really talking mm-hmm. about the responsiveness of a company to the people? Is it a way to get the opposition going? DeSantis versus Disney, the two different heroes. Yeah. Like is it real? Is it like, you know, what's the angle here? It feels to me like it is an intentional And there's a couple angles, a lot of angles on this, actually. One of them being, if you can get big companies like Disney, Apple, whoever, to do something major, then obviously it's going to have an influence on the smaller companies who will kind of fall in line after that. But if you can get them to take actions that are illogical against the general common knowledge of things, then you can get 
people to do anything, in my opinion. I think it's like a, I think it's like broadly a mass control tactic and brainwashing type, type tactic. Get people to do things that almost seem insane, and then you can get them to do anything. And also, I think from the standpoint of DeSantis, is it serves that other agenda by creating that public conversation about it and thus moving the Overton window and normalizing that type of stuff and thus creating more people who fall into those categories, whether they naturally do because they feel more open or able to say it or whether they are convinced that they are that way because it's the trendy thing to do. And this thing has been fascinating about how... So at the Oscars, another thing that happened at the Oscars was Amy Schumer... Everybody's favorite comedian and a couple of other, I think Wanda Sykes was one of them. They all stood up on stage and they shouted, gay, 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 in defiance of DeSantis don't say gay law. We had an actor make a personal video to DeSantis where he cusses him out saying, how could you call it the don't say gay law? And none of it's true. It's not called that. It's unbelievable. I mean, I think that they put that out there just to make that. Right. Yeah, I think thing. Yeah. that's what everybody says. Everyone says the don't say gay bill doesn't say don't say gay. It's I, like, I, yes, know. I know it's, it's maddening. It's like trying to yeah. drive you crazy. Yeah. And I wouldn't even care about it, but I just thought the Disney thing was just leveling up. And I think it's not done yet. I think we'll know the answer to my question over time. Yeah, we'll see. I think, if I think you're right. Yeah, we'll see how it plays dropping. out. But I want to give another big shout out to Abby Pittman and abbypittman.com. She is good people for sure. No question of that. And a friend of hers asked us to shout her out, shout out her work and her website. I was looking at her website, abbypittman.com, and the I had a smile on my face ear to ear. Yeah. It is beautiful, vibrant, uplifting, fun, colorful, majestic oil paintings inspired by nature. I mean, really, really fun. I actually, I can't do justice by describing them, but I do think it would give her a big lift if everybody went to her website and just looked at it. I'm sure, you know, that's... uh it's probably satisfying to her to people to just eyeball it and check out. I honestly, <laughs> Violet the Valorous is calling my name. Look at Violet the Valorous. And I just love that uh, that it's a girl. Like, that makes me super happy. I'm a little bit tempted to buy it for myself. I might actually do that. Mother's Day is coming up. Maybe I'll ask for that. Oh, that one's beautiful. And, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. So maybe you look at it and ask yourself what is your favorite of her beautiful works of art. But in any case, uh, she did a kindness for one of our patrons and we think we could do her little show. Uh, give her big snaps by just going to abbypittman.com. She'll see that. Her stats will spike and and I think she'll she'll appreciate it. I'm looking at one called Cornelius the Conscientious and I love that name and it, stuff's beautiful. Yeah, check it out. It's great and you're right. It's super vibrant, very cool stuff. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Monica. Thank you all for listening. Fantastic as always. We will talk to you guys next time. You guys can find us at thepropreport.com every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform under the Propaganda Report podcast feed. And if you want access to that extra content that we post on a variety of platforms, you can check us out at propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We have different offerings on each platform. So check us out, see what you like, and we will talk to you all next time or in the DMB. BXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.